Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Is your freak on, Brian? Uh, when's it off? <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's definitely on because it's Friday night and we're doing Sex and Science Hour. So welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Well, I have got a story to start us out that is just so bizarre that you couldn't make this shit up. And <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was so cute and also so weird at the same time that I just had to open up the show with it. Sounds like my life. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is I a lot like say life. I'm that cute. Anyway, let's... <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, we've got a great show for you tonight, so you're definitely going to want to stay tuned. We've got so many good stories. But to start out, <laughs> the crowning jewel of them all. In many ways, Craig is an unusual 21-year-old. He spells his name K-R-E-E-G, and his primary income source is breaking into cars, stealing them, and selling them. A Puerto Rican who lives in Alif, Texas, he is enrolled in a college which he does not attend, but instead pays someone else to go to his classes for him. He raps in a group called Rich Broke Dudes, and recently was called out on social media for sending a girl an unsolicited photo of his genitalia. One way that Craig is unusual, however, stands out more than any of the rest— Craig is less than two feet tall, and he is made out of fleece. Craig is a puppet. Basically, all Craig does is just buy clothes, talk to girls all day, and make music, explains Kenny Figueroa, an 18-year-old customer service worker from Texas who created Craig and his profile on the photo-sharing site Instagram, at HypeBeastCraig. Craig. <laughs> over the last few months, a puppet wave has taken over the social network Instagram. People post on the site posing as puppets. They get in fights, expose one another for cheating, and even have funerals. There are entire puppet families made up of parents, cousins, and grandparents. There are even Make Puppets Great Again hats riffing off those worn by Donald Trump supporters. To outside eyes, there is virtually no information about who is behind these accounts and what they hope to achieve. There's always a new wave going around, explains Figueroa. You know, Conway, what, Kanye had a wave where everybody was wearing ripped up clothes, looked like they just got inside a blender, you know, and that was the wave at the time. Now it's just a wave for puppets. The puppets are taking over. Mr. Greenbags and PJ, the producer, do not get along. The former is a young looking with a round face and a mop of ginger hair. 
though he poses on Instagram with money and toy guns, and writes his captions in all capital letters. The latter is, in his own words, the first puppet producer and wears a hat emblazoned with his initials. Recently, PJ kidnapped Mr. Green and taped up his mouth before taking a picture for social media. And they they have pictures in this article. It's great. Like, these are... What what was the title of the article? They look like... Oh, I never said it. So, um, it's... The title is Inside the Sex, Money, and Scandal of Instagram's Puppet Community. (laughs) Okay, you were saying about the pictures. By Amelia Tate, and it's from the New Statesman. Um, The pictures are amazing. Like... You have to just go to this article. It's linked in the show notes. Or maybe you already know about this. Maybe you follow these puppets on Instagram. Apparently, they're huge. Um, Or as Donald Trump would say, they're huge. Huge. (laughs) They're huge on Instagram. But, I mean, they look a little bit like the Muppets. You know, like the the Muppets, you know, Jim Henson. Yeah. Um, But they're doing, like, everyday stuff. Like, one of them is, is at a... A funeral or a wake, its mouth is like wide open, it's surrounded by flowers, and it's covered up with this blanket. The other one is showing the the guy who kidnapped the other puppet, and its mouth is like taped up, up and its eyes are kind of like bulging out. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I reach out to him over Instagram's direct messaging service to ask about the beef, PJ says, Mr. Greens is my son. Now, this is the puppet that he kidnapped. Okay. <laughs> Instead of speaking to his creator, I am speaking to the puppet himself, and his quotes are copied verbatim from our Instagram messages. My life ass a puppet a good <laughs> what? My life ass a puppet is good, PJ explains. Mr. Green is a fan of me. I am the reason why he started. He was hating and watching my growth for three months straight. Then he ran out to get a puppet and try to be like me. When I asked for clarification about how the two puppets met up in order to take Instagram photos, PJ reiterates that Mr. Greens is his son. Is the same person behind the account? I ask. What you mean with a you, he replies. Okay. (laughs) So basically they have terrible grammar when they're texting as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) After browsing the profiles of various puppets, one question would not leave me. Why? (laughs) Yeah. Great question. I'm wondering the same thing. I assumed from the beginning that there was something to promote or sell or advertise. I assumed there was something to figure out. Though a YouTube series about urban puppets does exist, these puppets are not connected to those that are most prominent on Instagram. Their creator has even spoken out to deny a connection. Some puppets have comedy shows or music to promote, but those with the most followers often do not. Seemingly, they just exist. They have no purpose. Yet somehow, in assuming that there must be a TV show, book, or secret art project, I forgot the number one driving force behind nearly all Instagram trends. Why have you created a puppet? Why does your puppet have genitals made out of felt? Simple, for social media fame. For Figueroa, the creator of Krieg, or Craig, the explanation is multi-layered. He designed Craig as an alter ego, a person who's like kids nowadays, in that he goes out and spends a lot of money because of what rappers say. (laughs) Figueroa is attempting to make fun of this lifestyle with Craig, who is obsessed with clothes and drives a power wheel, a battery-operated toy car designed for children. (laughs) I think I spent over $2,000, says Figueroa, who buys Craig's clothes from thrift shops. And then they have a picture of Craig on a bed with, like, a bunch of shoes and, like... (laughs) 
like some bumper stickers like I, I kinda, looking like a rapper i guess yeah i kind of figured this at the end that that's what this would be about is to like it, it's some way of mocking like the, it's about social media fame apparently well yeah but didn't they didn't you just say that that it was to insult that lifestyle I, I guess. Yeah. 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 That's a, anyway, keep, keep going. Well, there's one last part that I think we should get into. So, and then we'll talk about the commentary here. Because Figueroa is attempting to make Craig as realistic as possible, a puppet penis was almost inevitable. No, says Figueroa when I ask if the place he ordered Craig from, Nutty Puppets, makes puppets with genitals. <laughs> I went out to Michael's, a craft store, and just pulled down my pants and took a quick picture, and I pretty much just copied it from what I saw. <laughs> what? The how is simple. Imitation, scissors, felt. The why is perhaps harder to explain. Figueroa laughs when I ask this question. Why? He says, it's really for the comedy. Girls on Instagram or Twitter, they always get guys sending them dick pics, and it's revolting. But a puppet doing it? That's funny. In a way, then, it is satire. And then, of course, they have the picture of the puppet dick. I see. <laughs> it's also just plain smart marketing, says the author. Figueroa's aim with Craig is to become social media famous, which he hopes will help him, not Craig, become a stand-up comedian. To achieve this fame, Figueroa has imitated one of the most famous puppets of Instagram, known as Lux, who blew up on social media a few months ago after he sent a picture of his genitals to a YouTuber. Y'all, a fucking puppet just slid in my DMs and sent me some dick pics. I can't make this shit up, the YouTuber wrote on Twitter before getting over 60,000 retweets. Lux denied any involvement, but after social media users searched for the offending puppet, he enjoyed a rapid growth in followers. It seems likely that he targeted a high-profile individual in order to get his own profile up. <laughs> a, few, a few days later, he had a public fight with another puppet, with her own Instagram account named Kia Bricks. As y'all can see, Lux was deep in prayer, Kia captioned an image of Lux, who was visible from the eyes up, performing a sexual act on the lower half of a puppet, presumably Kia herself. <laughs> like our own human society, however, the puppet community is mixed. As well as sex, drugs, and scandal, there is a sweeter, softer side. Lux has a grandma, complete with flawlessly applied red lipstick and earrings. And there are also puppet children. Musa Bradley is a 38-year-old from New York who created Fuzzy Beard, a, quote, super lyrical bearded 10-year-old with nearly 16,000 Instagram followers. Bradley takes the puppets into schools to teach the children about health, character, and manners while preserving the hip-hop culture one rap at a time. The kids can hold him and talk to him, says Bradley, who studied child psychology. I rap and then I sneak in knowledge after the rap. <laughs> Bradley characterizes Fuzzy as a mix of both Lisa and Bart Simpson in that he is cheeky but also gets straight A's. The beard is a metaphor for children who are forced to grow up too quickly. Oh, this is just getting pretentious now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... <laughs> I mean, that's, pre that's basically almost it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> okay, keep it's going. it's about social media fame, right? And it's right. kind of mocking the whole like uh, how people use social media. But I mean, this is a big trend. What do you think about this, Brian? Do you use Instagram? Do you know any I of these Instagram puppets? I use Instagram all the time. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know any puppets. Um, <laughs> like I, I uh, maybe I'm just old. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel a little old after like, reading this. Like I just I don't get it. Like and and, <laughs> and, and, and it's annoying that I think maybe there's people who think they do get it. And then, like, 
somehow I'm apparently missing out. I, I, I mean, like the abstract concept I love, uh-huh. like, in fact, I'm almost inspired. Like I, I love the idea of creating almost like a universe of your own characters on social media and you're uh-huh. kind of controlling them all. Oh and yeah. On that's show fun. For people to see. Right. Yeah. That's, that's fun. I don't, I don't know. So something about this just rubs me. It actually kind of rubs me wrong. <laughs> like really, like, why does it, why do you think that? Cause that it reminds is? me of that song. Um, uh, read a book, read a book, read a motherfucking book when you know, like, Oh yeah. Brush your teeth. Brush yeah, your teeth. Yeah, yeah. All that shit. Right. Uh-huh. And like, yeah, it, it's funny, you know, when you're like a white conservative or something, and then it's kind of fucking insulting, like like when you know any other way. Even though it was written by a black guy, and I know I'm going to hear about that or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe me, I know the whole story around that song. You but, think it's insulting to people's intelligence to make these puppets? No, nah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm trying to put my finger on it. What, what, why exactly this isn't like tickling me? Um, <laughs> but it, it's. It's just not. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think it is actually. It the most likely thing I see for it is is the secret art project angle, where they're making fun of the way people use social media, especially Instagram. Because if you think about it, Instagram is the ultimate height of people projecting the image of themselves they want people to think they are sure. you know what i mean they choose what they post on there and they post these pictures like it's supposed to look casual it's like them laying on the beach after a workout or something or mm-hmm. they're going jogging or it fits inspiration or whatever yeah and and they're it's totally like selected even the ones that are like oh i'm gonna be raw and authentic and show my body flaws like even that's like manufactured and oh, they're yeah. all doing it for external validation and so what you what you put out of yourself on social media can be like a puppet because it's being controlled. Yeah. You know, and so it's really appropriate that they're puppets because that's what everybody is on social media. That's what every social media Ooh. account actually is. I think I get it. OK. OK. <laughs> yes. But I don't think 60,000 people get that. Y- you know, yeah, what I'm I think a lot of people just follow it because it's cute and yeah. they don't know why. Really, I think there's a bunch of goofaws just like, you know, go, look, it's a, it's a puppet, you know, and, and, and like, you don't but, think on some level it registers. They're like they <sighs> that maybe they wouldn't be able to articulate it. But like on some level, they it connects with them. Maybe. I think you're right. In fact, I'm glad you said all that because now it makes a degree of sense to me. Yeah. Um, I wasn't understanding why it was so funny to so many people, you know, uh, but I think it's brilliant art. Well, yeah, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, now, I, yeah, I'm actually agreeing with you now. Yeah, like, the, the way you laid it out. Um, but again, I really don't think there's that many people that understand it like that that way. You know? Um, yeah, and of course, the artists can't explain it because you know they want people to come to that conclusion on their own. It's not the artist's job to like explain their work. It's like a comedian explaining their joke. You know? Yeah, yeah. Boy, I have thoughts on that, but that's that's a whole side subject. But, okay. But. I mean, sometimes, you know, I've seen a lot of art that I just don't get. You know, it goes way over my head. I don't make a connection with it. But this, I really do get because I feel like my social media accounts are puppets. You know, like, even when someone makes an extra account and it's like anonymous or it's a fake account, they call it a sock, a sock puppet. Yeah, yeah, right, right. right, right. So th- these aren't sock puppets. They're regular puppets. They're actual puppets. <laughs> so, yeah. I right, think it makes of brilliant. total sense. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant. All right. And hope maybe that's why it's so popular. But yeah, yeah. what do you think? I mean, have are, do you follow these Instagram puppets? We'd love to hear from you. Show at sexandsciencehour.com or contact us through our website on the contact form. More coming up. Stay tuned. 
So in this segment, we have something special to promote. Usually yes. we talk about your show, Sovereign Tech, but this time you wanted to talk about another project that you're excited about, Brian. Yeah, actually, it's a new album uh, by uh, our dear friend, Tatiana Moroz. Yes. Uh, Keep the Faith. It just came out. Um, Great album. I like, I really, you know, the the music that Tatiana makes... Her voice is beautiful, and I, she's a great musician, but it's not the type of music I normally listen to. Mm-hmm. However, when I hear her play those songs, I'm like, yeah, this is really good. Yeah, she's just she puts so much feeling into it. Yeah. Uh, so if you go to TatianaMoroz.com, you'll see it right there. You can get a copy. It'll say buy it. Speaking of music that you can connect with, or art that you can connect with, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah, is, this such- is a lot easier. Her music's a lot easier to understand than these fucking buckets. <laughs> so, go for it. Anyway, let us continue into the second segment. <laughs> that that was rather fascinating. Now, I, I know you use Instagram, Brian, and, and actually Sex and Science Hour has an Instagram account, but we only post our show art. And actually, maybe we could join the puppet community because what we do is we kind of post all of our show art, our cover art is made by Brian, and he makes it in a very special way. He uses an app called Mitomo, Mm -hmm. which is by Nintendo, and it's like it allows you to create a, well, a little puppet of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like a little avatar that's in living in a virtual world that's supposed to be like a reflection of you. You can make it look like you. You can customize it to have the same features you have. And actually, it's kind of amazing how much you can get it to look like you or to resemble somebody. Yes. Right? Like, you know, when you look at the pictures of of us on the Sex and Science Hour cover art, which are cartoon mitomos, you can tell who's who. Like yeah. you can tell me and MK and some of the other voice actors that have been on the show, Paige and Ellen. So I mean, you can tell who's who. So yeah, um, where was I going? Where was I going with that? <laughs> oh yeah, so I guess we can we can actually be part of the puppet community on Instagram, even though we're not making actual physical felt puppets. We're making kind of virtual puppets, but it's still a puppet. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, like I said. I feel kind of inspired based upon, but nowhere near to the depth that was being just like that you. Yeah, you're not going to be out going out and and making puppets who send dick pics out, right? And and getting beefs. I mean, they were really taking advantage of the cheap heat that you always talk about. We're starting beefs with other puppets to promote both going at attacking someone who's bigger than you to promote yourself. That's like the oldest trick in the book. (laughs) Yeah. But I could see like, you know, using like those Mitomo pictures and making an entire story on Instagram or something. Oh, yeah. Like on all kinds of shit. Anyway, very cool. Let's let's continue. Anyway, Brian. Well, if you uh, if you want to actually post pictures of your your real self on social media, or if you want to just walk around and be seen in public, um, you're going to have to do something about those those wrinkles and baldness. What? <laughs> no, I I'm just... earned both. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I disagree. I, I actually think, you know, baldness can look fine on some people. And of course, you're one of them, Brian. You you rock the bald look. Thank you. And um, Wrinkles, well, it just means, you know, you're getting older just means you're you're here. It's better than the alternative, right? That's right. <laughs> you're here for another year. <laughs> so it's something to celebrate, not something to dread or or whatever. But uh apparently there's a there's a company that wants to use some high-tech methods to get rid of wrinkles and baldness. Now, and this is this is particularly meaningful to me because when I saw this headline, the first thing I thought of was we always say on the show that 
How are they good? We, you know, we t- people talk about all these anti-aging and rejuvenation biotechnologies like, oh, in the future, we're going to be able to just grow new organs and stem cells and replace people's immune systems and all this stuff. And we're going to be able to cure aging. Right. We're going to live forever. Right. However, right now it's 2017 and they still haven't figured out how to cure baldness yet. <laughs> Yeah, that's something you bring up all the time. So how are we going to live forever if we can't even cure baldness? Come on, people, right? You should. You would think that might be the first step. So anyway, there's a company who's trying to do just that. This is from uh, Lydia Ramsey from Business Insider. Sanimed, or Samumed is a $12 billion private biotech startup you've probably never heard of until now. The San Diego-based company has attracted $300 million in funding and a heady valuation thanks to a pipeline of what could be revolutionary treatments to regenerate hair, skin, bones, and joints. It offers the promise of reversing conditions related to aging by regrowing hair on balding heads, smoothing out wrinkles, and regenerating cartilage to worn down joints in people with osteoarthritis. If it seems too good to be true, the company's well aware. We get that reaction from anyone who actually listens to our story, said CEO Osman Kilbar uh, Kibar, um, in January. That skepticism has only grown with the company's valuation, which is now one of the highest for a private biotech company. The firm's list of backers, lacking as it does specialist healthcare investors, and secrecy over its science have also raised questions. Then there's Theranos, the one-time $9 billion startup that has fallen from grace and now casts a pall over the healthcare startup space. Uh, Sam Ahmed's chief financial officer understands all that. In fact, he asked many of the same questions. He met Kibar more than 30 years ago when they both attended Robert College, a high school in Istanbul. Wow. Uh... A high school is called Robert College. That's interesting. Hmm. Um, Kibar had worked in venture capital, launched a company that later sold to pharma giant Novartis, and eventually created an incubator where it came across technology that would become the backbone for Samamed. Um, anyway, so here's the science. I'm going to skip over the, the business side of it. Um, your body is equipped with something called progenitor stem cells. These cells are in charge of repairing and replenishing specific organs in the body. For example, a mesenchymal stem cell of the osteoblast lineage can go in and repair bone that's damaged. That process has something to do with the Wnt pathway, a a set of proteins that tell the stem cells to spring into action. By dialing up or down various Wnt genes or Wnt processes, you can trigger any one of these progenitor stem cells down a certain lineage, Kibar said. As we get older, our Wnt levels start to get out of balance, he said. Take the example of mesenchymal stem cells. If the Wnt activity levels can no longer increase such that it's not making enough bone, you may develop osteoporosis. What Samamed hopes to do is manipulate the pathway that makes these progenitor cells spring into action so that they don't cause the diseases. For example, Samamed has a treatment for androgenic alopecia, which is male pattern baldness, a common form of hair loss. The idea is that by using the treatment, people with alopecia will be able to regrow some of their lost hair follicles, which are the layer of cells and connective tissue that envelop the root of the hair and are critical for its growth. So far, the data looks promising. And I don't want this to sound like an ad for this company, so I'm just going to kind of um, skip ahead here. I don't know if this is going to work. I mean, it's kind of an interesting approach, I guess, from mm-hmm. a biological perspective. I'm not sure if it's like a small molecule or if they're actually taking the, taking out the cells and sort of treating them and putting them back in. Um, there's a lot of secrecy around this company, but I think it would be pretty cool if they could actually start to develop some of these technologies, because not only would it cure baldness, but osteoarthritis is huge. Because right. what happens is people get old, they get 
osteoarthritis, let's say, in their knee. Their knees hurt all the time. They start taking NSAIDs. And then they have GI bleeds and they die. You know, it's not good. Or they need to take opiate painkillers. And that's terrible, you know, because you could get hooked on them really easily. And they have their own problems. And so, you know, you don't want people living, and obviously for quality of life, you don't want people living in pain. So anything that could help with osteoarthritis, that would be great. Um, now, there's some there's some indication that maybe uh, senescent cells might be involved in osteoarthritis, where senescent cells are cells that they get damaged, you know, by life or, or DNA damaging agents like radiation or chemotherapy or whatever. And the cells go into this weird zombie state. They won't die, but they're not normal functional cells. They don't like divide and make new cells, but they just hang around not dying. And then they also secrete this nasty, toxic milieu of cytokines and mm. growth factors that makes the environment of those cells more prone to getting cancer. That It makes the other cells around it, even if they're not senescent cells, more prone to getting cancer. So that's bad. Um, so if you obviously if you could find a way to just go in and selectively take out the senescent cells, then things would be probably better in the tissue, right? And there have been scientists that have sort of done that in mice. And they found that, um, well, they found that basically if you put senescent cells into a into a knee joint, it gets this osteoarthritis-like thing. So the thought is that maybe by taking them away, osteoarthritis could get better. Okay. And also with skin. Um, you know, if you take the senescent cells out of the skin or out of the hair follicles, maybe the hairs will, will not be gray anymore. Or maybe the skin will be rejuvenated. So, I mean, that's not really proven yet, but that's a, that's a totally different approach than it looks like this company is taking. But, um, you know, there's lots of different approaches that are possible, and they don't just have cosmetic applications. But I'm hoping that this represents some kind of progress, that we will, in, in fact, get closer to not just curing baldness and wrinkles, but actually curing aging. That's what I'm really interested in. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the real... That's the that's, holy grail. Yeah, that's that's really what <laughs> science should always point at. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do we, you know, get humanity to to live forever or at least significantly longer? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I like gray hair. I don't know. Yeah. And it's it not can... just because I'm old. Like, I like when I was a teenager, like one of my favorite comic book characters was Hal Jordan. He was the, the Green Lantern at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is again. But anyway. What about Storm and X-Men? Oh, sure. That works, too. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it can totally rock on women. Rogue, you know, in X-Men. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, the, I, Silver Sable, I could go down a whole list of, uh, you know, that works well with women, too. But I'm just saying that, like, so at the time in the 90s, Hal Jordan had, like, brown hair on top, and then he had kind of gray, like, the other two-thirds of his hair mm-hmm. going down. And I always thought that looked so cool. I was like, man, that that's fucking awesome. Or like how on Quantum Leaps, you know, Dr. Sam Beckett, you know, you had uh, uh, Scott Bakula there with his little, like, little waft of, like, gray hair. Like, I, I don't know. It, it has a touch of, uh, you know, being distinguished or something like that. I mean, it might be a cultural thing or whatever. But, yeah. I think I, it's so tied up in, in representing age and also everything that comes along with age. So hopefully wisdom, you know, the, yeah. good, the good qualities, experience, confidence, you know. Um, just the, the, the confidence and the life experience that comes with having survived for more years, having taken more rides around the sun than, sure. than who, you know, maybe your average person. So sure. yeah, there's something really cool about that. I, especially I like gray hair on men. I don't know. Mm. Maybe it's just one of those like, oh, I don't want to get into the whole evolutionary biology <laughs> thing. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's just that like, 
I think it, I think it's cool. You know, you know, like I wouldn't want a world where people just are like, yeah, no, I never want gray hair or something like that. Yeah. Although, you know, I don't, I really don't like this trend where young 20 year old women are dyeing their hair silver. Ah. It, it takes a lot of work to maintain that color too. It's oh, not yeah. a natural color, you know, like why would you want your hair to go? Why would you want to be a 20 year old with gray silver hair? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Sure. But some people are doing it. So I don't know. Who am I to judge? Really? I, I don't prefer it, but you can do whatever you want with the hairs that grow out of your head. That's so. right. Knock I love the whole out. purple hair movement though. I got to tell you. I think there's a movement now. Well, that's my term. I'm just saying it seems like a lot of people suddenly wanted to dye their hair purple. And I'm like, wow, that's great. Like they used to be a thing. Another thing in the 90s, you know, like it was almost a running joke. It's like, you know, she's not a natural purple because it was so popular. (laughs) But not that anybody was complaining. It wasn't a knock. It was, you know, just kind of a a recognition because it looks so good anyway. All right. Well. We're going to switch gears and um, talk about a topic that's near and dear to our hearts, Brian. Um, Sex? Well, sort of. (laughs) Sort of. Uh, This comes to us from uh, one of our producers. I don't know if we should say who it was, but uh, this comes to us from a producer. Um, Adults who choose not to have kids inspire moral outrage, study finds. Now, you and I are a heterosexual couple. Yeah. I thought I found this. <laughs> oh, you found it. Okay, well, you did. Yeah, you did. Okay, yeah. sorry. I got confused. I That's forgot right. who found it. I'm sorry, Brian. I want to give you credit where credit's Oh, you don't due. have to give me Brian credit. Brian but... found this article. <laughs> and it's a great article. Everybody, let's clap for Brian. <laughs> Golden Stallion. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, again, the headline, adults who choose not to have kids inspire moral outrage, study finds. Now, I was going to say, preface this by saying, you and I, Brian, are a couple. Yes. And um, we are heterosexual, yes. right? Well, <laughs> well, I am. I don't, or... I don't identify as heterosexual, but we are a couple composed of a man and a woman, right? You know. Yes. And we could could reproduce we have like a lot of the necessary conditions to reproduce and we're in that kind of long-term relationship and we're in a committed relationship and so i think a lot of people look at us and are like oh yeah they're gonna start having kids any day now right but we've decided that that's not gonna happen um and that's it's probably too long of a conversation to describe exactly why on the air just suffice it to say that you know, we would we we would prefer to do other things with our lives. Yes. Instead of become parents. And that's just our preference. You know, um, we thought about this very carefully. Believe us, we've read about it. We've thought about it. I have a vasectomy, by the way. Right. So you're committed to that path. Yes. <laughs> I put my money where my mouth is. Yeah. And I'm totally happy with that decision. So, you know, um, but people just don't a lot of people don't get that because it's so far from what they so far removed from what they want to do. Sure. And so we're going to read about why people get so morally outraged when other people don't have kids. So this is by Julia Layton from How Stuff Works. Dr. Leslie Ashburn Nardo doesn't have kids. According to the married social psychologist, this makes for some awkward moments at dinner parties. Ashburn Nardo, a psychology professor at Indiana University, Purdue, Indianapolis, studies stereotyping, prejudice, and discrimination. Most of her research looks at sexism and racism, but she recently branched out. 
The professor's latest study, published in the journal Sex Roles in March 2017, never heard of that journal, um, (laughs) explores American attitudes toward the decision to forego parenthood. I started drawing parallels between my research on racism and sexism and my personal experience as a child-free woman, Ash Bernardo writes in an email. My husband and I would meet total strangers, like at dinner parties, who would ask about our kids, she recounts. I understand that it's a natural thing to do. Most people our age do have children. But what surprised me was the reaction when we would say, we don't have kids. It was a look of surprise, she says, but also of disdain, like we'd done something wrong. Ooh, there we go. A lasting stigma. Between the 1970s and the 2010s, the percentage of American women who never bear children jumped from 10% to 20%, according to the Pew Research Center. So child-freeness is on the rise. The percentage of highly educated American women without children actually fell between 1994 and 2014, but millennials, those born between 1980 and 1995, are posting lower procreation numbers than any previous generation. Yet the cultural stigmatization of people who choose to forego parenthood, particularly women, has staying power. In February 2017, 48-year-old Jennifer Aniston was falsely declared pregnant for the seemingly 500th time in 20 years. Check out her 2017 op-ed on the Huffington Post around the, four, around the 450th time. TV personality Jeannie Mai told the Christian Post in March that she wishes people in her church would stop laying hands on her belly and praying for her to give birth. (laughs) What drives this obsession with other people's desire to procreate or the apparent distress that results from their decision not to is unclear. But Ashburn Nardo suspects that it goes beyond social convention. Not just typical, but right The theory that parenthood is perceived as a moral imperative, not just the normal thing to do, but the right thing to do, dates to at least the 1970s. Ashburn Nardo's study offers the first empirical evidence supporting this. The population sample was narrow, 197 college students, mostly white females, but the findings offer a glimpse into what underlies the stigma. Subjects were told that they were involved in a study about intuition and the ability to predict the future. Each subject read a paragraph describing one of four, ostensibly non-fictional, married people. Two of the characters had two children, and two had chosen not to have any. Subjects then filled out a questionnaire in which they predicted the character's level of fulfillment in areas of marriage, family, and overall life. Amidst decoy questions, the survey also assessed the subject's annoyance, outrage, anger, disapproval, and disgust with the character. The latter three, identified as components of moral outrage, so anger, disapproval, and disgust are, mean, like, not just outrage, moral outrage. This is wrong. Across the board, characters who chose not to have children, both women and men, elicited higher scores in anger, disapproval, and disgust, and lower scores in all areas of predicted life fulfillment. The study predictions, or the dark predictions signify punishment, says Ashbourne Nardo, a belief that the people who choose not to have kids should be worse off than those who accept, quote, the moral obligation of parenthood. So let's just step down and say, this professor did a study about people's attitudes about those who choose not to have kids. Mm -hmm. And basically, it showed that people believe that when people don't have kids, they're not going to be as fulfilled in their life as people who do have kids. And also they get this sense of moral outrage. Parenthood is a duty. And I have everybody has to do that duty. And so you can't just get out of that responsibility. It's a moral obligation. Right. 
So straying from the path. Voluntarily single people face similar reactions, says Bella, Bella DePaulo, social psychologist, project scientist at University of California, Santa Barbara, and author of Singled Out, How Singles Are Stereotyped, Stigmatized, and Ignored, and Still Live Happily Ever After. DePaulo, who was not involved in the current study, thinks that the stigmas are related. In American society, and others as well, people are expected to follow a certain path through adult life, DePaulo writes in an email. This includes getting married by a certain age and then having children. What's more, people are not just supposed to follow that path, they are supposed to want to follow it. DePaulo, who studies stereotypes, notes that the older and more happily unattached the single people, the harsher the judgment. Beliefs that marriage and parenthood are critical to personal fulfillment are part of a larger worldview, a way of thinking that helps people make sense of the world, explains DePaulo. In the paradigm, people who choose to be single or who get married and then choose to have not, not have kids threaten to unleash chaos on an ordered, happy world. That makes people mad, DePaulo notes. <laughs> I think that's a brilliant analysis. It's part of a worldview that helps people make sense of the world. And so when someone deviates from it and is still happy, they get mad because they can't understand how that's possible. Yeah, I, I mean, really, this, is, this isn't this is just true for, like, people that don't want to have children or something. I mean, this is true for a lot of subjects where people have... Anytime a, people buck the norm, right? Yeah, well, people have a bedrock, a foundation of how they view reality. For some people, it's religion. For you know, I mean, there's all kinds of different things that you know that can make up a bedrock of a person's worldview. And when something stands outside of that or deviates from that, yeah, they think that. It, I mean, it becomes it, you know, it's not just oh well, they can do whatever they want. That's fine, even though it's not the way I want to be. It's a moral panic, you know, it, it, like yeah. it. it it, Moral it, panic, yeah, I right. like that way it, of describing it. Yeah, it equates to chaos in the universe, you know. And look, folks, l- life is chaos. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I mean, and that's all right. Like the universe is chaos, chaos theory, folks. I mean, that, that's that, first off, that's all right. You know, it, it it really goes to show. Like if that's the way people think, it kind of shows how they're trying to control so much that really has nothing to do with them, and they shouldn't be controlling it in the first place. Um, I honestly think that sometimes, you know, sometimes when people do things that are really different from the path that you chose in life, Mm -hmm. it can feel like a judgment or an indictment of your own choices. Sure. And so I think people automatically get a little bit defensive, but also it makes people think about what would have happened if they had chosen a different path. Sure. So like, for example, if you had kids when you were in your 20s, let's just say, and you see somebody in your 30s in their 30s, who has no kids and is living a very happy life and yeah. feels fulfilled, by all accounts, feels fulfilled and uh, like their life has meaning and is is happy. Um, you start maybe to think, well, what if I didn't have kids? Would I be that happy? Sure. Would I feel happy like that? I don't necessarily feel super happy now. <laughs> maybe they do, maybe they don't. But, you know, they start thinking, like, what if things were different? And that can be really uncomfortable for some people. Some people do not want to think about that because in a way it's like, well, what's what's the point, right? You can't change it. You can't change your decisions. Once yeah. you have kids, you can't take them back. So you'll never know what it was like if you didn't. So that's that's a subject that is very uncomfortable to think about. And nobody wants to nobody ever wants to to admit like, yeah, I kind of I kind of wish Everybody loves their kids, right? Of course. Like when you when you have a kid, you love them. And you wouldn't want to 
you wouldn't want them to not exist. But at the same time, some people do feel this this sense of, well, what would have happened if I had chosen to stay child free? Would I have been able to do lots of other things? You know, what, are the, what is the thing that I've been missing out on that I don't even know about necessarily? Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is important research because I think that a lot of people don't realize just how many people, you know, really see being child free as like an abomination. Yeah, and an and abomination. I think, yeah, and I think there needs to be recognition of that because honestly, like with so many other things, you know, the world kind of works against you being able to even choose that level of personal freedom for yourself. Well, you're free to choose to stay with us here on Sex and Science Hour. More coming up. All right. <laughs> Uh, here's where I promote my audiobooks. What have I had coming out uh, Didn't lately? you do an audiobook for Single in America? I did. I did this audiobook called Single in America. It's, it's kind a classic. Of, it's a classic, yeah. It's, it's a little bit dated. It was written in the 1970s or 80s or something like that. But it was examining the trend that was growing at that time of people choosing to be single, and it was mm. or different types of singles, and it was a very fascinating book. Um, also, we talked about be- curing aging in this segment. I did a book called Ending Aging, which is all about the scientific ways that that could be done. So awesome check them out book. on audible.com. Search my name, Stephanie Murphy, um, audible.com. And if you ever want to listen to any of my books for free, hit me up. I'll give you a coupon code. This is Sex and Science Hour. And guess what segment it is now? It's the sex segment. It's our third and final segment. And oh boy. We've got the smart dumb to end all smart dumbs. You might have heard about this. This story was going around on social media this week. If you were a famous social media puppet, then you would have heard because you'd be (laughs) you'd be on Instagram all day. Um, So I have I have like three articles about this. But I'm going to go first with the one from Motherboard. Now, this was the one that came to us from our producer. Okay. uh, And from several other people like Cognitive Dissident and a couple of others sent this to me as well. So I knew we had to talk about it. Hackers can easily hijack this dildo camera and live stream the inside of your vagina or butt by Lorenzo (laughs) Francesi Biacciari. The Internet of Shit gets up close and personal. If you're using an internet-connected vibrator equipped with a camera that allows you to stream your pleasure right to the internet, your intended viewers might not be the only ones watching. Hackers from the UK-based security firm Pentest Partners have found that it's... Oh, talk about penetration testing. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> have found that it's trivially easy to hack into the Svacom Slime Eye or Syme Eye, a $249 Internet of Things dildo that has a small camera on its tip, allowing users to stream a video to anyone of their choosing over the Internet. However, if you're in Wi-Fi range of the dildo and can guess the password, which by default is 8888888, you can watch the video stream. With a bit more hacking, you can take control of the firmware and connect to it remotely as well. When somebody is using it, someone else could be seeing the video streams, said Ken Monroe, the founder of Pentest Partners. What's worse, you'd never know about it, said the researcher who investigated the security of the device, who asked only to be referred to as Beau du jour. <laughs> uh, it's the first dildo hack that could potentially expose live footage of someone's most intimate parts, literally. 
Of course, this is not the first dildo to get hacked. Security researchers have time and time again warned that some of the new Internet-connected sex toys were awfully insecure and a privacy nightmare. Earlier in March, the maker of a connected vibrator that allowed sensitive personal information agreed to pay $3.7 million to settle a class action lawsuit. And we covered that on the show. Yeah, that was the Wee Vibe. The Wee Vibe, yeah. Uh, but it's the first dildo hack that could potentially expose live footage of someone's most intimate parts. Well, okay, so, uh, yeah, th- th- there, there's so much stupidity here, <laughs> okay, <laughs> but, I mean, a couple things. One is, is that, you know, see, like, you, you can crack into somebody's iCloud or, or however that all ends up working out, and you can kind of get the same footage, right? Um, I don't know about that because this camera actually goes inside the vagina. But like, who really sends that? Like, is that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's super sexy. I mean, it's more like you're going to the gynecologist and you're they're looking at your cervix. Yeah. Like, like that'd I be kind of useful, actually, if you could see your own cervix. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I could see it being interesting. But uh-huh. I don't I don't necessarily know that it'd be sexy. Right. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, so I, I sort of feel like the purpose of the camera on this thing is to see the the action happening, not to actually see inside. And that's why I say, like, really, you could crack into, you know, somebody's cloud account, whatever that happens to be, wherever they may back up uh, videos of this type, and you, you'd get kind of the, the same effect. So, mm-hmm. like, I agree, this is new, this is unique, and this is bad. and It's really bad. Um, but at the same time, like, it's, it's not, exa- I don't think it's exactly new. You know, like, in fact, I mean, that that's that's how I'd want to see this kind of footage is like, say, you know, kind of the, the cameras, I don't know, back a few feet and, and you're just like seeing somebody, you know, put something into their, you know, <laughs> right <laughs> into, their, into their orifice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I I think I get what you're saying. It's just that it's so invasive and so. It's terrible. Violating, you know, if this gets hacked, it just takes it to a whole new level. Like, it's one thing to have data about, like, when you're using your vibrator and what speed you're using and temperature and all that. Mm -hmm. That's invasive and violating in its own way. But to have a video feed, that's like the most invasive you could possibly get. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, this isn't anything new. I've talked about this on Sovereign Tech in the past. Yep. I keep a camera. It's an old camera. It's digital. Oh, your porn cam, yeah. It's my porn cam. It doesn't connect to shit. Like, you know, it uses a little SD card and everything. It doesn't have Wi-Fi. It could barely even connect through USB. I mean, like, it really doesn't connect to anything. And that's what I use for, you know, this kind of footage, uh, shall we say. I mean, just there's no... I mean, let's just call it... You're an idiot if you're using this... Like if you're buying this sort of, you know, these kind of connected devices, you know, particularly as sex toys, uh, I, I just I think it it's pure stupidity. <laughs> well, that's why it's smart. Dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mar- Motherboard says to, to wrap up the article. Once again, the lessons learned with this dildo show us that most Internet of Things devices aren't ready for prime time and they're not designed taking into basic taking into account basic security principles that can safeguard users' privacy. From teddy bears to medical washing machines, light bulbs to freaking crockpots, the Internet of Things is still the Internet of shit when it comes to security. So as for, so for now, 
The Monroe's advice to anyone owning a Syme Eye is to throw the device away and never use it again. Yeah. So basically put it in the trash can and walk away. Yeah, don't even try reselling it, obviously, for the oh. reason that first off it was put into... It might become a collector's item of some kind, but just definitely don't use it. Yeah. And actually, de- yeah, don't even let it turn on because someone <laughs> could be have a video feed of your house, let alone your... Your cervix. Well, I mean, but but let's let's put this into perspective. You know, few, uh, just a few years ago, what was the average adult company's like level of privacy that they understood privacy and security? A black bag, or maybe black black curtains over a window, or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't they didn't they they're not just leaping into the 21st century and they're all set and ready to go and they've got everything figured out to where oh yeah no no we can secure this stuff again th- their highest level of security used to just be black covers on a window and black bags uh so right this is going to take a lot of time if it's even really a viable thing to do i wouldn't even recommend it you know when you consider the fappening and all these other different things that happen um you know just get a camera that doesn't connect to anything and yeah it's a concern when you suddenly put the pictures of the video onto a computer but yeah i mean if you're ultra paranoid if you really don't want anything you just don't take pictures right i mean and enjoy the memories but yeah Yeah. i gotta admit it's pretty hot when you can take pictures and some video yeah it lasts longer (laughs) take a picture it lasts longer yeah so anyway um so actually this might actually be even worse than was in this motherboard article pentest partners actually has a blog and they wrote about this about testing this toy and they said um they they were looking at the security of the device and they said Here are the questions we had. Is there any reason a vibrator should also be a Wi-Fi access point? What about a vibrator that has an endoscope camera at the end of it? Should that vibrator also contain hidden functionality to connect itself to Skype? (laughs) To save videos automatically to a network file share or send pictures in emails? What about if it has code injections via its web interface? Well, that's the Svacom Syme Eye, a vibrator endoscope. Yes, this thing exists. So they, they're basically saying it has all of that. And they go into, uh, you. I, I guess you can geolocate where people are using the vibrator. Holy crap. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's terrible. Like, their blog post, is it goes into detail about everything. And... Um, it it has all this hidden code in it that can connect to Skype and like save pictures through emails and stuff like that. It's just it is a literal nightmare. <laughs> yeah. And apparently the company is not responding. There's there's an article from uh, Boing Boing just from a couple of days ago uh, saying that the the manufacturer is ignoring the warnings about the security vulnerabilities. Well, this is happening across the board. It happens with with adult you know sex toys. Mm-hmm. It's happening with kids toys. There's that teddy bear that can record messages and send it back and forth. The company that, that yeah, created that teddy right. bear, which I talked about on Sovereign Tech recently, mm-hmm. um, they're they're just ignoring it. They're ignoring, you know, all these security concerns and everything. So I mean wow. it, because that's really all all they can do. They can't do anything about it. Because they didn't they didn't put in uh best practices in, in the first place and you can't add them in after the fact. Yeah. Not, not like this. Well the hacking company that was testing the these devices they said they tried to get in touch with the manufacturer and let them know about these vulnerabilities for three months repeatedly, but they never got back to them. Yeah. So they went public with it. Yep, absolutely. And that's it's the right way thing to, to do, do it. Yeah. I just hope no cervixes were actually harmed and there no butts were harmed during the, yeah. the use of that sex toy. 
I don't know. Actually, like the name of it is incredibly creepy. Like the eye, the the Syme eye or whatever. Um, Some people like to watch. I guess so. Uh, Speaking of what some people like to watch, Pornhub did an April Fool's joke that was, I think it was pretty brilliant. Um, It it was April Fool's, of course, since the last time we we released a show. And uh, Pornhub played a trick on their users, which really scared the shit out of some people. After they would watch a video, a pop-up would appear that would make the user think that the video had been shared to their Facebook page. And the pop-up said, thanks for sharing. Pornhub now has automatic video sharing to your social media accounts. (laughs) Well, was it Facebook or Twitter? Facebook. And it has a little Facebook thumbs up. Now, now here, so, so here's, here's kind of problem one with this is that I don't think you can share that. Like, I don't think Facebook, like Facebook will block uh, you from, from sharing torrents. Yeah, they will. Uh, They they probably block you from sharing porn. I don't think you can share. I'll I'll try it right now. Um, (laughs) For science. Okay. You try it. You can keep reading if you like. Okay. Well, the pop-up said, thanks for sharing porn. Pornhub now has automatic video sharing to your social media accounts. No need to manually share your video to your friends and family ever again, because this new revolutionary sharing feature does it for you automatically. (laughs) I mean, like they should have known it was a joke when it said to share your video to your friends and family. Like, why would you want to share a porn video with your family? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then it had a button that said, what the fuck? Reverse this now. And if you clicked on the WTF reverse, reverse this now, then it said basically happy april fools don't worry your browsing is always safe and secure fully encrypted using https protocols <laughs> okay you know interestingly it will let you share a porn it will now, oh but it won't okay. give a, a preview of it however well so, that makes sense and that i just deleted sense. the post and everybody's probably gonna be like oh, did brian just share yeah, a lesbian people- threesome on facebook well, <laughs> yeah, yes i did all these people who get notifications of what everything you post. I mean, yeah. they're going to be just lying in wait to see what you posted. That's right. Um <laughs> anyway, I like you should you just shouldn't go on the internet for April Fools Day. It's just like It just, is a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, myself, like when I heard about this, I mean, people were really freaking out. Like I mean, they were like they were sweating because they they thought it it happened. Well, that's interesting because I mean, like, I get it. Like, people have a lot of shame around sex, but then again, like, why were they freaking out? Like, what are they? What are they afraid of? Right? Well, like, what, are, what do they have to hide? Sick shit, you know? Like, yeah, right. That's what I assume, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like uh, I don't know, some stepdad porn or some bullshit like that. Oh you know? yeah, uh, and I, you know. Like, I mean, I, I don't, so I don't really, in fact, just now going to Pornhub, I can't even remember the last time I've ever been to Pornhub. I don't really watch porn online yeah. um, like that. So I I don't know. Like, I mean, what, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's funny and it also serves to remind people that like, like, yeah, the, it didn't share the video that you just watched to your social media. However, if you're going to porn sites where you can watch content for free, you're paying for it somehow because they have these ads, you know, and they're selling as much of your data as they can get. Mm -hmm. Right. And they have anonymous usage statistics that show like, for example, 
in areas where homophobia is prevalent, so is like secret gay porn watching, you know? Right. So I don't know. I mean, like you pay, you pay for it one way or another. Okay. Right. Like people should remember basically that they don't really have a ton of privacy. If you're, no, if, right. if I mean, you're Google, watching porn for free. You yeah, know. Google's certainly collecting all this information that you watched anyway. Your ISP is collecting it, whether if you're yeah. watching it anyway. Um, I mean, if you're using a VPN, there's some degree of protection to be had there. An incognito window uh, doesn't protect anything. In fact, Google completely admits that they still record what you do in the incognito window, even really? though it doesn't really oh, affect fuck. the rest of the system. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean... Okay, so it didn't go out on social media. So get media. a VPN, you're, right? You're, well, yeah, get a VPN at least. But I mean, understand your porn watching habits are still being tracked by plenty of companies. Companies, yeah. Uh, and maybe you feel like, well, as long as they see it and my family doesn't, who cares? But yeah, I don't know. It, it really, like the fact that people were freaking out really spoke not, it didn't, I mean, I get it. It, it wasn't the nicest thing for Pornhub to do, but it does not speak well for humanity. <laughs> yeah i agree it's just it's too bad that you couldn't share like well i don't know if you'd want to share it with your family ever but like it's too bad that like people are so ashamed of the porn that they regularly consume like every day like imagine doing something literally every day or maybe a couple times a day that you are so deeply ashamed of that you nearly have a heart attack when you think it gets shared on facebook Sure. That's just, that's, it's yeah. too bad that people experience that much shame. So, all right, quick funny story. There was something like this actually happened years, and we're talking years ago, like like 2010, something like that, okay, on Facebook, where, oh, I'm trying to remember how it happened. I When I was, I was at a company, the company I was working at at the time, there was this really, really Christian dude. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I'll Is just, it you? No, I'll just okay. say his name is R, okay? Okay. That may be his first initial, but anyway. And there, like, he watched something, and I think this is before, like, Facebook had certain security controls in, but he clicked on something, and then that that forced a, a post to be made on his <laughs> timeline that said that he watched, like, that it was some kind of porn. Oh! God. Yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> and he actually went around the company. Okay, and this is not really that small of a company <laughs> saying, I think somebody hacked my Facebook account. <laughs> and we're, you know, me and, and and at the time my best friend there, you know, he me, he and I were like, no, no, no. Yeah, you, right. You're clicking on shit and you, you know, I mean, we knew what was going on. And then on. he was trying to preserve his reputation. Oh, I got a virus, Yeah, right? cuz they happened to a few other people too. Just uh -huh. they weren't like, you know, the hyper Christian like you know, so so we know right. what it took. You you had to click on like this this kind of profile of this gal or whatever. I mean, you had to click on like this uh, like a link that was something about large breasts or whatever. And, anyway, so <laughs> so we just we knew you know like that this guy. Wow. And, and, but that's exactly the freak out that happened. Now I don't think that sort of thing can happen on Facebook anymore. But at the time, that was that was a thing that would like that would happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, a uh, it was hilarious. We were laughing about that for, for about a week. So there's a part of me and I think maybe Stephanie, you feel the same. There's a part of me that would actually almost like feel good, you know, that these people like sweat about this because I mean, yeah, if you're feeling shame and you're watching something very tame, like that's unfortunate because, you know, societal mores have really, you know, really impressed upon you to to repress yourself and that yeah. sucks um but like for the people that you know talk up like you know that oh no i never watch porn and yet suddenly there was the chance that 
people are going to find out they did watch porn. <sighs> oh, or the people who shame porn stars, but right. also consume porn at the same time. Abs- like, which fuck is those. very commonplace. Seriously. Yeah, that's it's terrible. Yeah. There's... I saw somebody post on social media something about like, oh, it's it's really good. These these um these hussies need to be shamed or something like that. It was like he was talking about a porn star uh-huh. uh, that he thought it was good that she said she was having trouble finding like another job after being in porn and being recognizable. And he was like, good. And I'm like, okay, so you never watch porn then, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> You're going to start ostracizing her by not watching porn y- y- yourself, right? No, of course not. Like, <laughs> everybody's pointing fingers with one hand and jerking off with the other. <laughs> That's kind of how it seems to go. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I guess if you care about, like, wanting... If you care about wanting to have more porn to watch, if you care about people having comfortable lives uh you know don't participate in shaming sex workers porn actors and actresses um you know they're just they're just people they're doing a job just like you you know you may have had a job at one time where you use your body for things right it's just like that it's sex work is work yeah and most people have to work and sometimes sex work can be a good solution because they, you know, don't mind doing it and it's lucrative in some cases. And, uh, yeah, you don't don't have to make it any harder for them, uh, especially if you consume their content. That's just really hypocritical. Sure. So anyway, um, our last article here comes from the Sex and Psychology blog by Dr. Justin Lee Miller. Almost, and he says, almost everything and everyone seems more attractive when you're sexually aroused. And I'm just going to go ahead and put a content warning on this for discussion of bestiality, kink, and pedophilia or phoebeophilia. So if you're uncomfortable listening to talk about that, please turn off the show right now or skip ahead to the after show. This segment goes for about the next 10 minutes. How attractive do you find the prospect of sex with animals? Um, what? Do you think this is from the blog? Do you think it would be fun to watch another person urinate? Do you find shoes erotic? If you're like most people, you probably said that these things aren't exactly up your alley. However, if you were asked these same questions while you were in a heightened state of sexual arousal, research suggests that you might perceive them a little bit differently. Scientists have found that when we're feeling very sexually aroused, things that we might otherwise perceive as gross or disgusting don't seem quite so bad. As evidence of this, consider a classic study by Arley and Lowenstein, published in the Journal of Behavioral Decision Making. In this research, 35 heterosexual male college students, undergraduates, were asked to evaluate the attractiveness of various sexual activities under two very different circumstances, once in their normal, unaroused state, and once while masturbating. All of this... What was that study like? Like, the guys (laughs) in a room... There's a college student... In a room, jerking off a frat bro, you know, he's doing it for 50 bucks or credit at a class or something. He's in a room, he's jerking off by himself. A voice comes over the loudspeaker and is like, okay, now tell me, how much would you think that shoes are sexy or want to have sex with an animal or watch someone pee? (laughs) Like, that's, wow, I wonder how they did that. (laughs) But anyway, uh, so 
They were uh, all of the sexual stimuli were presented on a laptop computer while subjects were in a private room. Oh, okay, it was in a laptop. In the masturbatory condition, the men were instructed to pleasure themselves to a quote suborgasmic level of arousal. So just right on the edge, right? Not coming yet, but right on the edge. They were explicitly told not to ejaculate, but if they accidentally did, they should hit the tab key in order to end the study. On a side note, ever since I read this paper, I've never been able to look at a tab key without snickering. (laughs) Subjects were presented with 20 different sexual stimuli and asked to rate how attractive each one was on a scale of 0 to 100. These included, are women's shoes erotic? Can you imagine being attracted to a 12-year-old girl? Ugh. Can you imagine having sex with a 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 60-year-old woman? Can you imagine having sex with a man? Could it be fun to have sex with someone who is extremely fat? Could you enjoy having sex with someone you hated? If you were attracted to a woman and she proposed a threesome with a man, would you do it? Is a woman sexy when she's sweating? Is the smell of cigarette smoke arousing? (laughs) Would it be fun to tie up or get tied up by your sexual partner? Would it be fun to watch an attractive woman urinating? Would you find it exciting to spank your sexual partner? Would you find it exciting to get spanked by an attractive woman? Would you find it exciting to have anal sex? Can you imagine getting sexually excited with contact with an animal? Do you prefer to have sex with the light on? Is just kissing frustrating? Those are the questions they asked the guys when they were jerking off or not. The researchers found that out of all 20 sexual stimuli presented... Only one of them, sex with the lights with the lights on, was rated as less attractive in the masturbation condition. The other nineteen were rated more desirable when the subjects were masturbating compared to when they weren't aroused, including sex with animals, finding a twelve-year-old girl attractive, and watching a woman urinate. I should. Ugh. Uh, wait. So how do they test this? They, I'm not saying it's not believable. It is for a lot of people, but uh, they asked that they took college guys, 35 yeah. heterosexual male college undergraduates, which is like the worst sample you could possibly. The collect. horniest bunch of people but, you could find. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> not even just horny. Like I mean, there's just there's a lot going on in that head. Um, but go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure there's lots of cultural stuff going on. Yeah, and that's what you meant. Um, and they put them in a room, let them jerk off, and asked them to rate how attractive those sexual prospects were and they they all said that they were more attractive these edgy situations that wouldn't typically well i that would be considered edgy sexual things right Uh and in some cases like downright completely taboo you know um they they all said that they were more appealing when they were jerking off so it's what they said it's not like they had anything like they 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 didn't didn't put a goat in front of them and say hey doesn't this look good well right right i mean they didn't put a girthometer no they didn't put they didn't connect anything to the dick that's that's what i was trying that's what i was was they love to do that in studies but they didn't do it in this study (laughs) okay that's that's all that's all i was curious about so uh so, so what else do we have um okay so all of the 19 stimuli that increased in attractiveness, all of the differences were statistically significant except one, sex with another man. What this means is that perceptions of same-sex content t- contact did not really become substantially more interesting, but everything else did. Wow. 
So they didn't get gayer when they were masturbating, which I'm kind of surprised by. Yeah, same here. I mean, if if all that other shit became more attractive, I yeah, don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm yeah. I'm kind of baffled. I mean, it's not like some of the things on that list aren't already inherently sexy anyway, but like really, I, I like I, I guess if it's a bunch of college dudes, I mean. Are, are are they just well? You know, being I think, jocular about the twelve year old girl. Like, I I don't know. I hope that's not for real. Like, I, how like do you I, re- like really? How, I hope no one would ever really do something like that because that's fucked up. That's pedophilia. I mean, that's fucked right. Up. Okay, but but seriously, like, who actually says? You know, I and I and I know I know there's there's really sick fuckers out there. Please, please, you know, don't misunderstand me. Yeah, but who admits that? But who yeah. in, in some kind of sample group of over like three to five people or something, and this is significantly larger than that. Who says, "Oh yeah, that twelve year old girl was a lot hotter this time"? Like, really, who the fuck would admit that? I don't know. You know, that's why it's. Uh, I, I, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm still kind of reeling over the the results now. There is sort of an evolutionary reason for this, that people would find things that are normally gross when they're not aroused m- more appealing when, when they're t- sexually turned on. And mm-hmm. that is, like, when you have sex with somebody, you're, you might be putting your mouth on their genitalia, <laughs> the parts of them that are, you know, using the toilet, right? You might be rubbing up your bumping uglies with them, you know? Yeah. You you are getting exposed to a lot of that other person's germs. And normally, we have a protective mechanism that we think things like vomit and feces and things that contain a lot of germs and um, transmissible diseases, potentially, are gross. We're repulsed by them. We're disgusted by them. Mm-hmm. And that protects us because we don't go and touch things that could make us sick. Right. However... When we're having sex, we're going to have to touch things that might make us sick because otherwise we're not going to do it. Right. And so that maybe that grossed out reflex gets toned down a little bit when we're really turned on. Yeah. To enable us to go ahead and do something like put someone's <laughs> genitalia in our mouth. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I guess like in my own head, like I just I don't care. Like I get it. OK. A woman pees from that. Yeah. Woohoo. You, you know, and it's not like I'm into water sports or anything. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just saying that, I, like, I, d- I don't even think twice. Uh, I get the evolutionary psychology thing. I, I feel like, boy, th- this story just says so much more. Uh, I, I, this is so unbelievable. Like, I, I, I really. I mean, if this is real, like, like if, if these if these guys weren't just kidding around. It, it's so much more indicting of men mm. than it is proving anything about like arousal. Yeah. I mean, it, it was only 35 college students, but there's other studies that kind of back this up as well. Sure. Um, they, the, the person who's writing this blog also says, uh, let's see. The findings are consistent with a more recent study of sexual arousal in women that was conducted by a different set of scientists. In that study, participants were either shown, quote, female-friendly erotica or not prior to being asked to engage in a series of disgusting tasks, such as putting one's hand in a, full, in a bowl full of seemingly, so it was staged, used condoms. The researchers found that women who were sexually aroused from having watched porn were more willing to attempt the disgusting tasks and rated those tasks as less gross than women who had watched something else. 
this is so fucking weird. Isn't it? Like, I don't know. You know, maybe it's just, I guess I can only speak for me. Maybe it's just because like after a fashion, I'm like almost always turned on. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you're not sticking your hand in a bowl of used condoms well, or no, doing taboo sex acts. Right? right. Like, I just, I don't agree with this. Like, like there, there, I cannot imagine the moment where somehow something is somehow more palatable, palatable to me because I have a heart on as compared to when I don't like there's there's no change hmm. um well oh. maybe you're just always walking around with a heart on well, I don't I really know well, what's going on here. I, I don't know oh the, this is so fucked up yeah <laughs> <laughs> alright well maybe that's a bad note to end on but we're not completely done it's the after show so if you're thinking we're gross stick around for the after show we'll turn you on and make you want to listen to our show You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week. your ears <laughs> it's the after show <laughs> brian and i were talking during the break and he's like well there's one thing i'm like is there anything else you want to say and he goes well there's one thing i want to say but i'll say it on re-entry <laughs> i thought that was cute we're like a rocket ship re-entering the yeah. atmosphere well okay so with that story like i'm still like it's again it's just so unbelievable but I, I mean, maybe it's just a byproduct of being so sexually repressed. You know, the society is so sexually repressed. Even yeah, though you think maybe. that a bunch of college guys aren't. I don't I don't know. I bet they still have a lot of shame and, and ideas about sex, that it's bad or whatever. And certain, yeah. certain things are bad, or at least bad to admit to publicly, <laughs> you know. I just, I, I just really can't believe that. Like, yeah, I mean, a, I, know, I can't it's, believe it's some of crazy. He said that this is might be where fetishes come from. Like, there's, there starts to be, I don't know, a seed planted. Like, if you're, if you're turned on and you're around something like innocuous, like shoes or something, then there might start to be an association <laughs> between those two things, and then somehow wires get crossed, and then you end up with a fetish. I don't know. I, uh... I mean, hey, look, their shoes are hot. Like, they can be. Like, I mean, you know, I used to love, I, I feel like I keep saying this phrase in this episode, but I love in the 90s, like, when women would, like, you know, they'd be stooping in tennis shoes. Um, like <laughs> really? I, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool, you know? I don't know. There was something athletic about it, high I heels, High heels or bare feet or go home. That's no, what I, my, no. my opinion well, we on it. We didn't even get into thigh-high boots. Oh, baby. Oh, uh, boot. yeah, boots are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... The high heels, I, I don't know, like because it's impractical, right? Like yeah, I think that's why I like the tennis. Well, well, 
I think that's why I like the tennis shoes because, like, it's like yeah, this is this is for sport. It's like an athletic feat. Damn like right, he's going to be doing some workout. Well, he can moves. wear them too. I mean, and or or if, at best, it's all lesbian. But <laughs> I mean, lesbians in tennis shoes woo. three, the final game set match. <laughs> Forty love. Forty love. <laughs> so, yeah, I. Oh, I yeah. Again, that that article was like disturbing and unbelievable and again i i'm just like i'm trying to rationalize it a little bit you know outside of the fact that that so many of these people again can just be really sick individuals um yeah uh, i agree people are people are freaks and not always in a good way (laughs) i mean it was the 35 person football team or something and they just happened to ask all the football players and they didn't bother to ask any other demographics (laughs) i don't know if they're i don't know how many people are on a football team yeah i don't either sports ball all right let's yeah okay anyway so what did people buy this week through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com and what is stuff.sexandsciencehour.com well glad you asked. It's our Amazon affiliate link through which we support our show. So if you want to help out with the show and be a part of the after show, go to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com, do your normal shopping through Amazon, and we'll get a little cut of of the sales and we'll read your purchases on the air uh, like we do now. But actually, first I want to start out with something. We actually got a book review uh, of a book that was purchased. Somebody owned up to um, getting the book Mating in Captivity. Which I thought was uh, an interest. It looked really interesting. I had heard of the book before, and uh, let's see, "Mating in Captivity" is by "Mating in Captivity." It is by Esther Perel, and uh, yeah, I had heard of that book before, and it came highly recommended. And I was wondering who bought it, and I actually got an email from the person who bought it, and she gave me a book review. So that was really cool. <laughs> Um, so she said, I want to lay claim to purchasing Mating in Captivity and the Marty Klein sexual intelligence book that you mentioned on the after show a little while ago. My husband and I were both raised in reserved slash emotionally repressed slash frustrated households plus mega Catholic. So it's been a long road for each of us as individuals and as a couple to resent to reset formative wiring on the whole sex, intimacy and emotions topic. Yeah, I imagine so. It's it's a road for all of us. But I mean, the Catholicism has a special brand of of repression and shame and guilt and and stuff that I think a lot of people understand all too well because they've been through it, too. So good for you for kind of deprogramming yourself as uh, as everybody has to if they want to really enjoy a happy life. So she says, we both read Klein about five years ago and wanted to give it a reread. It's such a great practical book. Mating in Captivity came up as a suggested book under under that, so I got it. It was pretty neat. It's a broad and thoughtful commentary on and challenging of traditional American conceptions of sex and coupling. Thought-provoking chapters on fantasizing, understanding, and not judging polyamory, swinging, slash affairs, and establishing separate identities as crucial to sex were some of my favorite parts. So I guess she means like separate identities as people, not not just like tying your identity to being part of a couple. Right. That's cool. Uh, she writes in a way that is no BS, yet sensitive to the subject and the possible points of view of her audience. She also has a really interesting chapter on motherhood and the desexualization of parents in America, whereas in other parts of the world, moms are sexy, moms and dads have sex and make it a priority, not just for making babies. <laughs> I'd recommend it as a read, but some stuff may be pretty familiar to you, given the topic of your podcast. 
So cool. I thought that was a good review. Yeah, hell yeah. Thank Sounds you for great. thank you for that. I really appreciate it. And um, if you want to if you want to claim any of the products that you bought and give us a review of any of them, you're always welcome to do so at uh, show at sexandsciencehour.com or uh, send us an email through our contact form on our website. All right. So what did people buy through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com this week? Well, first item we had was a cube of glycerin. It was called the Gly Cube, four gallons of palm-derived vegetable glycerin for 48 bucks. That's not bad. Now, you could make a lot of soap with that or a lot of uh, bubbles. Um, glycerin is something that you need for protein bars, too, sometimes. Sure. Um, so who knows what they're doing with it, but they bought uh, actually two of those. So they bought eight gallons of glycerin total. So maybe soap making, I'm guessing, if I had to guess. Um, we had, can I sell soap? <laughs> Fight Club? Yeah. We had the uh, LSE Lighting Compatible Fresh Air UV uh, bulb for APCO models. So this is basically um, a fluorescent bulb that somebody bought. $59, though. I don't know what they're using that for. <laughs> um, this is cool. A hand-blown 600 milliliter thick-range coffee and tea uh, server. So this is a, a cup. It looks like a lab. It looks like something you'd find in a laboratory. It's like almost like an Erlenmeyer flask, but it doesn't have the uh, the thin neck. And it's a coffee pot or a teapot. And it's, uh, you know, it's it's very sturdy looking. I'm sure you could put it right on the stove. And uh, it's got a BPA-free lid, 20 bucks. So, nice. hey, not bad. I always love, I go shopping at, um, there's this place called American Science and Surplus or something like that. Yeah. And you can order these flasks that you can then use as like kitchen glasses and stuff. Little beakers. Yeah. They actually make great vases. Like if you have a single flower, you want to put it in a vase, Erlenmeyer flask is a great is a great vase. Yep, or a, sexy a and nerdy at the same time. Exactly, exactly. Um, our next item is uh, no, we already. I think we already did that. It was a dimmer switch, but we already talked about that. Next item is oh, cool, the cat barbell black black flat slash incline decline bench. So this is a workout bench. And it's one of those ones where you sit down and it has like little pads for your legs so that you can put your legs, you can kind of lock your legs in and you can do maybe like shoulder presses. Oh, and it yeah. also, it, it leans back so it turns into like just a flat bench. Uh, you can do sit-ups on it. Actually, it looks very versatile. And um, I got, I probably need one of these because I really want- the price on it? $39. Oh, that's pretty good. Maybe we should get one. Hmm. Um yeah, it, it for some reason the there there's two different colors. Black is $99 and the brown is $39. So I don't know what's the difference between them. You know, I buy everything in black, but uh But if it saves my I mean if it, it saves, saves that me, much money, it's no reason not to get it in brown. Yeah, 50 60 bucks. Yep, I'd get it in brown. Exactly. Oh, and also, you know, there's a lot of suggest I'm going to leave this open because a little insight into our lives here. Brian has graduated from the heaviest weights that we have down in our basement gym. Yes. That we work out in. And we've been working out this week, which is really great. It felt good. Um, but Brian is is able to lift the heaviest weights and it's too easy for him. So he needs to get heavier weights. But we couldn't find any dumbbells that were heavier than what we had. So like we looked at Walmart. They didn't have anything. So I think what you have to, we're, you're going to have to do is buy these modular dumbbells, and they have those on Amazon. They have them in, in space. I found a set. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, but... well, maybe we can buy it with the Sex and Science Hour credit. Woo! 
So you're supporting Brian's health and, and but fitness. But the modular ones are nice. You're right. The modular like that, ones are really that's nice. That's a good yeah. idea to, to have as well. I think that's what you, the way you have to go because you don't want to be buying like a million sets of, of dumbbells or Well, whatever. I think there's a point. You get to a certain point where you're just like, okay, we, you know, the dumbbells don't need to get any heavier than this. <laughs> well, that's when you get smart bells. The modular right. ones are smart bells. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that's what we'll do. Maybe we'll do modular ones straight up. Maybe you're right. Or, well, you're usually always right. Anyway. <laughs> um, Brian has these grips, too. What are those grips called that you use? Fat grips. Fat grips. F-A-T-G-R-I-P-Z. So, fat grips, yeah. So what these are, are these grips that just wrap around the handle of the dumbbell and make it thicker. And you wouldn't think that would do anything, but actually it makes it way harder to lift. And it works your arm and your for your hand and your forearm a little bit, too. Big, yeah, big time, actually. Mm. Um, in fact, I like I've come to the conclusion I, I really have to do very little forearm work. And it's not because I jerk off all the time or something um, like I, I <laughs> That's just the wrist and forearm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is absolutely because of these fat grips. Like if you're if you're doing like any, any kind of a curl. They, and you can put them on any... It almost is like having your hand around a dick, I would say. Oh, well, I mean, these are big. Anyway, <laughs> so... Uh, um, but, like, if you're doing a curl, like, you know, usually that's just biceps. But because you're tr you're having to grip something so large, it, it does work out, you know, it definitely works out your, your forearm as well. Um, and, in fact, sometimes you got to be careful because it can be difficult to keep holding up uh, the dumbbell. So, but, uh, I, I think it's great. Like I don't, I don't ever want to work out without them. Right on. All right. Well, Brian won't be seen without his fat grips. Woo. So <laughs> somebody got a lava lamp. When's the last time you saw one of these? Like in the nineties in the mall? Yeah. In my bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you had one in your bedroom. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, cool. I had all the plasma balls, all the, all the wild shit. Wow. Um, yeah, it's apparently it's black wax and clear liquid. So like a lava lamp is, I don't know, they were popular in the seventies and then the nineties and they're probably coming back again. Um, but it's like a cool little decor. You put it on and it's like the bubbles of wax kind of float up to the top of the lamp. This one was only $21. Pretty nice. Good, pretty good price. Yeah. I remember they used to be expensive. Um, like when I was going to the mall as a teenager in the nineties, it was like, oh, everybody wanted a lava lamp, but nobody could afford one. <laughs> well, I think they still had to probably make them out of a degree of quality materials. Yeah. You know, where now they've kind of got all that licked to where they can make it out of, you know, something cheap. China. Uh, well, whatever. And it's Chinese you know, lava lamps. You know, it's funny. Like, I really think a lot of those lights and everything, I, I, I think they make for a better sexual experience. Oh, the Himalayan salt lamps? 100 percent improve my sexual experience well those are great because we you have can... one right now in the studio actually and it's it's providing a nice mood light yeah well those are great because like you know that way you don't have these blaring lights on. yeah and you, you can need still... mood lighting yeah and you can see you can still see each other you know getting it on Hell yeah um which is great so yeah but i think a lot of those little lights now i mean personally i think that you don't want distractions in in a bedroom you know but I think that those lights actually kind of add something. I think they 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 really kind of you know it's not strobe lights aren't popular anymore. You you notice that like those used to yeah, be all the rage. Yeah, I think yeah, you definitely. I do remember that. Um, I think there's a good reason for that. What's the good reason? Because strobe lights Epilepsy? give people seizures and headaches. Yeah, yeah right. 
yeah, I, I guess that's what it is. I like. I you know remember what's having... also gone out of style is black lights. Yeah, remember those black lights. I had used all to be those things. Yeah, me too. Like strobe lights are wild because like you look like. I mean, it's weird, you know, because you look like you're skipping time. Yeah, it's I, it's it's very weird. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Even when you're not on drugs. Yeah, <laughs> which no, no, some people I, were. Right. right. I mean, I, I had all these lights and was you know I had never really been on drugs. So yeah, you, who needs it with those lights? <laughs> yeah, simulating. No, no, no. And who needs beef jerky when you could have Louisville vegan jerky? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think I would need beef jerky, but this is actually really interesting. Vegan jerky. I saw this in a health food store recently. I didn't have the guts to try it, but it's made out of soy protein and it's gluten free and it's got all different flavors of vegan jerky uh, that has a meaty flavor. So the the um, the flavors are, let's see, Louisville vegan uh, bourbon smoked chipotle. Uh I can't find the other ones, but anyway, if you really want to see it, you can get a five pack, a variety pack of Louisville vegan jerky for thirty two ninety nine on Amazon, like our listener did. We have the uh, the Klein Tools crimping and cutting tool. This is like a wire cutter, bolt cutter for uh, twenty eight bucks. We had the Black Diamond Big Air Package belay device plus locking carabiner. So this is like for rock climbing. It looks like when you strap someone in and you know. Just um, it's for use while belaying or sure. Um, that was 27 bucks. Uh, what else? People buy the most interesting stuff through our link. You know, they're, they're going rock climbing. They're eating vegan jerky. Um, they're just doing all kinds of things. Uh, what else did we get? The Edel T95N Android 6.0 Amlogic quad core, one gigabyte, eight gigabyte TV box. TV box technology adapts Android 6.0 system Amlogic uh, to provide you with ultra-fast running speed and professional graphic processing ability. So is it a graphic card or something? I don't know. Or is it a TV? Oh, it's it's probably, it's not a TV. It's like an Android TV. It's a box that you connect to a TV. A box that you connect to a TV so that, that can you can watch Android internet. Apps. Oh, oh, Android apps. Okay, cool. Thank that's, you for explaining that to me because I did not like get from, it from here. I can't exactly. Yeah, see it, but... that makes total sense. Okay, cool. Yeah. Ooh, this is something I would like. Fox Outfitters sixteen ounce stainless steel pint cups, five cups. So these are cups that you would make a milkshake in. They're like, what else would you use it for? This is like those metal cups that they mix up the milkshake in. Oh, and they have the, the blender, the frapperizer that you put up and down, and they're like moving it up and down, and you're like, oh, my milkshake's almost ready. Brings the voice to the yard. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, we have the GoTool duct knife squeegee combo. Um, I could only guess what this is for. It looks like a knife with batteries, and it glows in the dark. Okay, that's interesting. I don't know what the squeegee is referencing or for, but <laughs> sure. Samsung 128 uh, gigabyte micro SD card with adapter, 5190. A screwdriver. Somebody bought a screwdriver. The Klein Tools Schrader Valve Core Tool. 11-in-1 screwdriver nut driver for 17 bucks. That better be a damn good screwdriver. They're not really selling me, but, I mean, hey, I've... 
if it's a good solid screwdriver, it's probably worth it. Yes. Um, <laughs> we had uh, toothpaste, which we talked about last time. Wheel power LCD touchscreen digitizer glass replacement assembly for iPhone 5. So somebody, their kid probably broke their iPhone screen again. Yeah. They had to replace it. So they got a kit for only twenty one sixty nine. Cheaper than That's going to the Apple very store. Very cheap. Oh, for yeah. as long as you can still repair iPhones. <laughs> A uh, board game called Five Tribes. Now, uh, it says this is a gamer game that's fun for all. I don't. The premise is crossing into the land of a thousand and one nights. Your caravan arrives at the fabled Sultanate of Nakwala. The old sultan just died and control is up for grabs. The oracles foretold of strangers who would come maneuver the five tribes to gain influence over the legendary city-state. Will you fulfill the prophecy? That's cool. It looks almost maybe like Risk or something. It's like, oh, a, nice. like a board game. Yeah. It looks pretty cool. A um, couple more things. Just a few more. This is uh, very interesting. The True Path of the Ninja, the definitive translation of the sh- Shonin Ki. Uh, how do you pronounce that, Brian? Help me out. Oh, is this by... Um, shit. Anthony Cummins, yeah, yeah, Yoshi Anthony Min- Cummins. Minami. He's done a ton of these books. What books? Scroll up. It's called the. This is a book, by the way. It's called the True Path of the Ninja. Yeah, the Shonen Key. Uh, he's Shonen done, Key. Yeah, yeah. He's done a few others, um, like Path of the Ninja. He's he's done quite a few, and like a lot of these, it's really the first time that, or at least a great translation, has actually been, you know, in, been done in English. Yeah, that's um, what it says. It says it's the it's the famous 17th century ninja training manual. And the author did the most comprehensive modern version, making the English translation the closest to the original scrolls. Yeah, I mean, he's done the Book of the Samurai. The the first book, and I, I haven't read the, uh, the Shonen Key from him, but the first time I heard about Anthony Cummins' work was um, he did the, the Benson Shushukai, and that was, which is the Book of the Ninja. And I mean, just brilliantly done and very well organized, great notes. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of Anthony Cummins' work. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, so this book was fifteen bucks, fourteen ninety five. For fourteen ninety five, you could learn how to become a ninja. <laughs> Can you believe that? Yeah, I mean, he's serious. You go to his website; like, he's you know, he has a whole team of people. I think he yeah. actually met a great gal over there and everything. And it's it's really something. So, is he a ninja, a modern ninja, or does he just translate? Is he a scribe? No, I I think he qualifies now as as a modern ninja. I mean, he works under you know uh, various not like um, I'm trying to think of their names. They all begin with an M, but whatever. Anyway, he, he he's the he's kind of the real deal. Um, and and working with the right people and does a hell of a job. Wow, that's super interesting. Uh, we got another screwdriver, <laughs> the Klein Tools uh, six in one tool, number one and two Phillips quarter inch five sixteenth inch nut driver. This is the number one bestseller in nut drivers, and it was ten fifty six. These two look like solid screwdrivers. I have to admit, you need a good screwdriver. It's true. Okay, this is really fucking hilarious. Um, it's a children's book published January thirteenth, two thousand seventeen. The title is The Pumpkin and the Pantsuit. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously that's a reference to the election of the U.S. 
Born of the question, how do we explain the 2016 election to our kids? The book is a cautionary tale of two big personalities who run against each other for the highest public office in the land. The pumpkin and the pantsuit. Oh, my God. Wow. I, I wonder if it, this is like a parody of like the whole story or if it's like really meant to explain this stuff to kids. Like, how do you possibly explain politics to kids or the idea that there are people that think they rule over you, right? Like, <sighs> how do you explain taxes to kids? How do you explain the Federal Reserve to kids, right? Never, never mind the pantsuit. You know, we got bigger problems <laughs> here. Um <laughs> So I wonder if it's just like an adult's book that like, you know, is written in the style of a kid's book. Yeah. So um, last couple items, easy off oven cleaner, uh, $11.95, anchor, power line, USB-C cable. Somebody always gets a USB-C. Right angled USB adapter, a male to female extension. That's an interesting one. And the TrendNet 5 port unmanaged gigabit green net metal desktop metal housing switch good choice thank you for shopping through stuff at sex and we love our listeners and uh we've only got a couple shows left before our season break so we'll be talking about that more coming up and uh never fear sex and science hour is here but we're done for tonight so we'll see you next week <laughs> have a good one Woo.